This is the day that the Lord has made. Sunday Advent, we'll be meeting Divine Service 3 out of the week in the service book, Kings 335, 345, 357, 350, 338, and 249. The following order of service received on the way in the beginning on page 3 with confession and absolution, followed by the sharing of peace and the processional gift. Let us rise. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Amen. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave me and forgive us. Let us kneel and be seated for confession of sin.
Stand for the singing of the Alleluia verse. Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The 
blind receive their sight in the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by them. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. <clears throat> what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violence taken by force. For all the prophets of the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Just on the big day when we see it, we invite the youngsters of the congregation and visitors to come forth to children. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds 
and hundreds of years, like seven, eight hundred years before Jesus came. Have you waited seven hundred years for anything? Me too. Me too. But that's what he says. Isaiah says, God will come and save you. And the blind will see, and the deaf will hear, and the lame will walk. God will come. The people waited and waited, and then the disciples saw Jesus. Jesus had been born. And John the Baptist, remember him? We talked about this. Ms. Turner talked about it last week. He said, Get ready, repent. You memorize that sermon? Did you memorize that sermon? Remember? That was two weeks ago. Repent. Right? Repent. And we're still waiting now for Jesus to come again, like we said. And we have to be patient. Patient. Because hundreds of years, when did Jesus die? 2,000 years ago. And he said, be ready. Be ready. So we're not going to wait to open up today's present, okay? Should we open it? Yes! Oh, it might be broken. Should we open it? Continue with the sermon in Hark a Thrilling Voice is Sounding on page 8.
the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. When I was in sixth grade, I had an English teacher that I really liked. Because instead of learning grammar, we focused on creative writing. And one special project I remember was writing, illustrating, and binding an original comic book. And it was a fun project. But I did not learn very much about subjects and predicates and independent clauses. And it turns out that grammar is actually very important in life. Today we see the importance of present tense and future tense. Last week we had John the Baptist out of the Jordan River preaching his short sermon, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He baptizes the crowds coming from all over, causing quite a stir and attracting the attention of the Jewish leaders. And John boldly and harshly confronts them and warns them to repent before it's too late. John is at the height of his ministry in the wilderness, preparing the way for Jesus. In our gospel reading today, everything has changed. John has confronted the local king, Herod Antipas, for sleeping with his brother's wife, Herodias. Herod is offended by this. Herodias is extremely offended by this. So Herod throws John in the dungeon of his palace overlooking the Dead Sea. John sits in the lonely darkness of the dungeon praying for freedom. And nothing happens. He prays for freedom and he remains imprisoned, scared, alone, facing unknown horrors. John wants Jesus to rescue him. And it's not a crazy request. John knows that Jesus is the anointed one of God. He is the Christ. He is God in flesh. And John is the one to prepare the way for the Lord. John sends messengers to Jesus to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Too much time alone has gotten John wondering, Why does Jesus leave me in this dungeon of despair, feeling abandoned by God? Now, you have never been imprisoned by the king for criticizing his romantic life. But you do know how John feels. You have been in your dungeon of despair. You've been at the bedside of a loved one and prayed for healing. And it did not come. You have stood by an open grave as your loved one is laid to rest. You've prayed for God to deliver you from your ugly desires and your sins, and it feels like God is ignoring you. You reach out to God in desperate times, and he does not answer you the way you want him to answer. You have been in your dungeon of despair, feeling abandoned by God. And that's why this lesson today is such a hard lesson. God does not always answer your prayers the way you want him to, when you want him to, 
Jesus sends word to John that he is indeed the Christ of God, but Jesus does not do for John what John wants him to do. And people can get offended that Jesus is not some kind of genie with a magic lamp obligated to grant them three wishes. And this is truly a hard lesson. Because it teaches the truth that Jesus does not do everything you want him to do, even when what you want is a good thing. Jesus does not promise that your life will be easy and trouble-free. You already know this, but it's still a hard lesson. And it's also a great comfort. It's a wonderful comfort because you learn that your suffering does not mean that God has abandoned you. You learn the truth that even during difficult times, Jesus is still God, and you still belong to him. This teaching flies in the face of so many churches that basically teach that if you have enough faith, you will not get sick, and you'll not have hardships. They teach that if you're sick, it's because of some unrepentant sin in your life. If you're experiencing financial difficulties, it's because you are not faithful enough. This is terrible theology. It's heresy. Does no one die in these churches? Are there no funerals? If you're sick or you have troubles, you're told to believe it's because you lack faith. And that leaves you doubting if you're even a Christian. You think a real Christian would not have the kind of troubles that I have. Our gospel lesson this morning destroys the prosperity gospel. It destroys false preaching that God promises health and wealth if you have enough faith. The truth is that God is with you through all the trials of life. But there is no promise of an easy road. Matthew 16. Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In Matthew 7, Jesus teaches, The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And as Jesus says in our lesson today in Matthew 11, Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And know that Jesus' most offensive act is dying on the cross for the sins of the world. What kind of God acts like that? Being a follower of Jesus is not easy. Jesus makes lots of promises, but Jesus is not a genie to grant your wishes. Jesus does not do what you want him to do, and this can be offensive to your sinful nature because you want to be in control, even in control of God. Being a follower of Jesus actually makes your life harder 
in many ways. It calls you to resist your sinful nature and live as a redeemed child of God. It calls you to live in truth and light in a world full of darkness and lies. It is a blessed life, but it's not an easy life. John the Baptist learns the hard way that being a faithful follower of Jesus can bring severe consequences. And this is where grammar helps us understand Jesus' promises. Jesus makes nine promises in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Lots of promises. And this is where we need to look at the grammar. Only the first and the eighth promises here are in present tense. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You are right now in the kingdom of heaven. As a baptized child of God, you are under the rule and reign of Jesus right now. And no one can take that away from you. The eighth beatitude is also present tense. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus promises that you are blessed with a blessing for the judgment day because you are right now under the reign of Jesus and you are destined for eternal life with Jesus in the heavenly city of New Jerusalem. The other six Beatitudes about mourning, meekness, hunger and thirst for righteousness, mercifulness, being pure in heart, being peacemakers, these are all future tense promises. They shall be comforted, shall inherit the earth, shall be satisfied, shall receive mercy, shall see God, shall be called sons of God. These will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. And so we pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Present tense or future tense. It makes a big difference. It manages expectations according to God's promise. There is one last beatitude and has a lot to say to John the Baptist and a lot to say to you and me as we go through life. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus has not abandoned John in his dungeon of despair, and he has not abandoned you 
even in your misery and suffering. You remain under the reign of Jesus right now. Jesus is your king, and you belong to him. You are his treasure. Jesus is offensive to the ways of the world. Jesus does not do what people think he should do. Herod Antipas and Herodias are offended, and they attack John the Baptist. Christians throughout the centuries have been attacked, and that continues to this day. Jesus' kingdom suffers violence and attack, and this does not change Jesus' promise to you. You are and remain Jesus' treasured possession. He forgives you, and he redeems you. He says in Matthew 10, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Learn from John the Baptist that life is hard. And being a Christian does not mean that God will take away your difficulties. You already know this. There will be pain and suffering and death. But as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you fear no evil, for the Lord is with you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. In our gathering here this morning, you have the rod of God's word. You have the staff of baptismal remembrance in the body and blood of Jesus in Holy Communion. The Lord's rod and his staff comfort you on your journey. Through the trials and turmoils and struggles of life, you do not need to fear evil. God is with you. You are in the kingdom of heaven. You will be comforted and healed and raised from the dead. Amen. And now may the peace of God, the peace that is beyond understanding, keep your hearts and minds in true faith until our Lord Jesus returns in glory. Amen. We rise to confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed.
Barb Dawson, who was awaiting treatment for lung cancer. Pat Moore, friend of Ruth Sommeyer, who was hospitalized with severe back problems. Marsha Pelzer, sister-in-law of Diana Pelzer, who is recovering from emergency intestinal surgery. Joshua and Megan Pelzer, who are awaiting the birth of their child. Les and Penny Bayer, who have COVID. Carol Beckett, who is recovering from a broken hip. Gary Gilly, who has torn his bicep. And Roberta Howard and her family at the death of her brother-in-law, Jerry Schumann. In peace, let us praise the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all who offer prayers and supplications, that God would hear them on account of his Son, who has enlightened the darkness of our hearts and every corner of creation by his incarnation. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all pastors and church workers, that the words they bear would prepare the way of Jesus' second advent and be received by all who hear them. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the homes of our land, that God would grant safety and security to all families, especially to Joshua and Megan, and that the faith would be delivered from one generation to the next. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all in authority, that they would be given wisdom and insight until the day when Christ comes again in glory to usher in his kingdom. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and grieving, especially Amy, Roxanne, Ruth, Pauline, Danielle, Jill, Joni, Barb, Pat, Marsha, Les, Penny, Carol, Gary, and the family of Jerry. And as the day draws near when blind eyes Deaf ears hear, lame legs leap, and mute tongues sing for joy. That God would grant them healing according to his gracious will. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For faith and joy to receive the Lord's Supper worthily this day. As Christ comes as a foretaste of the land's marriage feast, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. O oh God. Your love invites us to rejoice in your goodness. In every circumstance of life, teach us the joy that comes from knowing your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and eagerly expecting his gracious visitation. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.
Give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, King Jesus Christ our Lord, whose way John the Baptist prepared, proclaiming the promised Messiah, the very Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, and calling sinners to repentance, that they might escape from the wrath to be revealed when he comes again in glory. Therefore, the angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying,
The body and blood of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and preserve you in true faith and the life everlasting. Go in peace. Your sins are forgiven.
God that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift. And we implore you that of your mercy, you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Thank you.